Hi, welcome to Podcast Nonsense. I'm your host, Patrick Krebs. Thanks for joining us. I've got Mariah Gullo here, and she's a digital photo director for Playboy. Hi, how are you doing? Good, how are you doing? Good. Is that right? Did I get that right? Yeah, you did. Digital photo director. You want to talk about the name controversy? Uh, My last name. My last name is has always been called Gullo. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Italian. My family's from Sicily. But uh, my sister recently spoke to some Sicilian people who said it's actually pronounced Gullo, which is actually what everybody calls me, and I always correct them and say it's Gullo. So I don't know if Gullo is like the New York kind of accent or oh, something. Okay. It's like okay. the Gullos so from when you, like, like, Long you Island. Introduce yourself to people on the street. They're like, actually, it's, it's Gullo. Well, they're like, oh, Mariah Gulo. And I'm like, no, 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 it's Gullo. And, uh-huh. you know, so now I'm like, uh, is it? It's like one more thing for me to be confused about in life. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what's the deal with this? I'm like fascinated by the fact that you work for Playboy. <laughs> right. I'm sure A lot people of people are. Because that's how I'm going to like yeah. advertise this podcast. You know, to just okay. kind of like shill it out there. And uh, so what's the deal? What is that? Oh, okay. Well, um, it's funny. I, um, I've i had the career path of like the dream jobs of a 13-year-old boy. Um, mm-hmm. I started off working in the fashion photography field, but I started going into men's magazines. So in New York, I worked at Maxim. Okay. And then I ended up working at the UFC for a while. Really? Yeah. And then some of my coworkers who were formerly at Maxim ended up working at Playboy. Um, so there's about four or five people at Playboy who I've worked with at previous jobs, and they brought me in. Um, and it's been great. It's a great experience. Um, I'm really... I don't know how this happened, um, but I'm really kind of one of those people who just is attracted to a really strong brand. Mm -hmm. So whether it's Maxim or the UFC or Playboy or I actually worked for Circus for a while, like I'm just like kind of fascinated by um, things that have, you know, companies that have a lot of cachet behind them that are, are just like... Playboy has one of the strongest, most recognizable brands. There are brands that make ridiculous amounts of money, like Apple and Google. Right. But uh, Playboy has a rec- internationally recognizable brand. The totally. Bunny Ears logo is huge, and it's because they do a, a lot of licensing, and they have this history since the 50s of this like kind of cool lifestyle that they're advertising to men. And now, you know, in the digital age, uh, I work for Playboy.com, so our... Uh, our demographic is young people of all ages and all sexes. So it's been really interesting trying to bring the brand into the modern age, but Mm -hmm. still kind of keep that like whole like cool 50s, 60s vibe, you know, the whatever Hugh Hefner wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. Um, It's fascinating to me. And I've always just kind of really been interested in like historical brands. So that's why I work at Playboy. Yeah, that's pretty fascinating. That's pretty fa- I didn't even think you just said so there are two things that I want to get back to. Mm-hmm. You said you worked for a circus at some point? Yeah, I did. So, I was a horse groom for the Big Apple Circus. Okay, I, I didn't wanna, last. So I want to talk about that because that's amazing. <laughs> um and I want to talk another thing that you said was that um reaching out to young people today of, of all sexes. Mm -hmm. And that kind of struck me because I was like, Oh, you know, I think of it from, you know, being a 13 year old boy and like finding a playboy in the trash can, you know, by the tennis courts or whatever and being like, Oh my God, what is this? Yeah. This is amazing. (laughs) But, um, we actually have an article on, on playboy.com right now about finding playboys in the woods. Oh really? Why they, all seem to be like <laughs> creepily stacked in the woods somewhere. Like so many people discovered they do. Playboy that way. You know, way. you would like. We used to. Um, there was. We had this neighborhood which was like a suburban, like kind of prefab neighborhood. You know, mm-hmm. and you there was this giant field. You know, they would they would take these giant farm fields mm-hmm. and convert them into the suburban neighborhoods. And so you get to the edge of the neighborhood, which was like your zone, you know, there was like your house and your block and then your friends live down the street. And then there's like the edge of the neighborhood, right? When Mm -hmm. you're little and past the edge of the neighborhood was just like farm fields. And so you'd like venture out into the farm fields and you'd come back and you'd venture a little further and you'd come back and you'd, you know, and if you made it all the way through the farm field, you'd come to like 
the back of like the grocery store a uh-huh. mile away and you'd be like oh holy shit i'm at the grocery store you know uh-huh. and like along that path there were like woods and there would be like i always envisioned them as like homeless encampments i'd be like who's living <laughs> oh back God. here because there'd be like a little like yeah. fireplace set up uh-huh. and there would you know you'd find like playboys and stuff back there but you'd find and you'd find like beer bottles and stuff and it was probably just like high school kids going back there and right. getting wasted right then... but you always thought there was some like grizzly old prospector or hobo yeah, over yeah, there yeah 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 <laughs> i had some like notion from like Charlie Chaplin times of like, you know, <laughs> yeah. boxcar Willie back there, you know. Where did you grow up? Um, that was in Maryland. In I grew Maryland. up I grew up in Man- in Manhattan for mm-hmm. the first 8 years and then we moved to um to DC, to DC area. So okay. a suburb of DC. I did the same thing. I grew up in Maryland. Long Island and upstate New York and I ended up in rural Virginia. Oh, really? So I can really identify with the weird houses in the middle of nowhere i had no idea you were you were kind of semi from Virginia. yeah well my dad's job moved to washington dc when oh, i was okay. like 13 and i stayed there until i went back to new york to go to nyu no way yeah where did yeah. Where, what did he do uh my dad was a radio newscaster oh no shit yeah really? he's retired now but he also wrote for um abc news and cnn and msnbc oh so crazy he's a news writer yeah what's his name uh ed gullo Oh, okay. I mean, Gulo. Gulo, right? <laughs> Who knows? I don't <laughs> know. Knows, right? That's great. I have an I have an uncle that was a, an anchor for NBC, but he started out in radio too, up in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, they yeah. probably know each other in some yeah, respects. It's, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty small community. Yeah. I grew up um, like learning how to spi- splice reel to reel and do my own radio shows. Oh, really? He'd take me into work. He had he worked from like two o'clock in the morning to eleven o'clock in the morning. He'd take me into Times Square Whoa. in the eighties. Yeah, and like teach me how to splice splice little splice together like my own little radio show. And I would always use their joke reels. So it was all like weird like satire and parodies and like the fart song and the fish head song and. Like, my radio show was ridiculous. That's super cool, though. That's <laughs> yeah. super cool, though. What else do you remember from growing up in that time? Oh, wow. Um, I mean, it was, like, the inspiration for my entire life. Like, growing up and seeing New York City in mm-hmm. the 80s. I mean, the piles of trash and, mm-hmm. like, the... I mean, Times Square was... I mean, my dad would literally say, cover your eyes. And I'd yeah. have to cover my eyes as we went through Times Square. Yeah. Because it was full of prostitutes and, like you know, break dancers and crazy like Kung Fu stores and mostly just triple X stores, you know? Yeah. Um, But it was, I mean, it was shows and stuff like that. Yeah. Peep shows. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because when I worked at Maxim, I worked at on sixth Avenue and 42nd street, right below Bryant park, which is exactly where my dad's radio station was. He worked at RKO radio stations. And when I was a kid, and the neighborhood has just completely changed. I mean, people do Monday night movies in Bryant Park and right. it's all cleaned up. And, and like, you know, I remember when it was terrifying. It was yeah. absolutely terrifying, but like full of energy. You know, I just wanted to be where the action was at. That's the whole, that's my whole life. Yeah. You know, and I remember the uh, graffitied subway tra- trains and I'm sure you remember them too. Oh, yeah. Do you remember those? Yeah. I have a weird association with um, the smell of burning salt. Burning salt. Yeah, from like the from the pretzel the pretzel vendors. Oh in New yeah. York. So <laughs> yeah. especially when it gets really cold in New York, that air mm-hmm. gets so dense right. that you can you can smell things from like blocks away. So I have these these memories of like Macy's around Christmas. Yeah. You know, or yeah. like FAO Schwartz around Christmas. Oh yeah. And um, for people that are like too young for this, I don't even know if F.A.O. Schwartz is around anymore, but that's like oh, yeah. where I, I think Tom that Hanks... there's, I think there might be an Apple store there now. There's a big Apple queue. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So that's where uh, like Tom Hanks plays the piano and big for people that mm-hmm. are listening and stuff like that. But it was just this, this giant toy store in New York. But yeah, in the winter you'd get that, that smell of burning salt would just carry through mm-hmm. the wind, you know? Yep. And then and there was like the and... coconut coated peanuts too. exactly mm-hmm. exactly and those would like burn and people mm-hmm. are just like what are these yeah. disgusting smells and i'm like no you don't understand like <laughs> i'm just gonna stand here for a minute and like remember what it's like to be eight you know <laughs> yeah yeah even i mean this is gross but even like the uh like urine drenched 
subway stations. Oh, totally. You know, even like the smell of piss in the subway is just like oddly familiar and comforting. Yeah, to me, I'm it's like, true. This is this is what it is. It's true. I yeah. mean, like being a kid who lived in the suburbs, like I was just fascinated by New York City. I just wanted to be there, and I lived there for a long time until I moved out here and. I'm like, I don't want to go back. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> but um, but I t- totally identify to create like just a smell like completely urine in the subway. Yeah. It totally <laughs> takes me back. <laughs> yeah. Urine on the street. I'm like, oh, hmm. I remember smell too- of angel dust at a club, oh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good times. We, um, <laughs> it's, I, had a, I had somebody just recently ask me. Somebody always, when they find out you're from New York, somebody's always like, people from LA people from New York that moved to LA hate LA mm-hmm. because they love New York you know or mm-hmm. people from LA that moved to New York hate LA and love New York and I had this guy say this to me the other day and it's it's like it happens every time I say I'm from New York somebody's like which city do you like more mm-hmm. like do you hate it there do you hate it here what's the deal and I'm it just they take it to this negative place and I'm like you know, I have really fond memories of New York and I love New York for very specific reasons. And like, I have very fond memories of LA and I love LA for very specific reasons, you know? Mm-hmm. But like you said, you know, it's, I, being an adult and cause I, um, I went back for grad school and I lived in New York for a couple of years before I came out here. And mm-hmm. then when I graduated, I came out here and like looking back on it, I'm just like, why would you ever do that to yourself? Like, <laughs> New York is just so yeah so hard yeah I'm starting to realize like that I'm getting older because like I've always wanted to be like packed into some crazy urban environment so like LA seemed like the next best thing to New York like I've been to Chicago and Philadelphia and Mm -hmm. there I mean it's kind of the same thing and DC I grew up you know was a teenager there and it was boring as hell yeah but like, you know, L.A. just seemed appealing and exciting. I was coming out here for photo shoots and, you know, all the celebrities are out here. And so like, you, you know, I, I was like, wow, it just seems like like this beautiful, easygoing lifestyle. And, you know, I moved here and I was like, yes, this is great. This is such a relief. Can, like you can breathe and there's nature. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my friend and I used to make like lists of comparing New York to L.A. because he moved here like a month after I did. And, like, now I'm like, wait a minute. There's parking issues here, too. There's a lot of people here. There's people stacked on top of each other. Like, I think I'm going into the next phase where I need to, like, live, like, really far away from everything. Yeah. Going back to rural. Do you go, like, where do you look when you have those thoughts? What do you you think about? I have no idea. I don't know where I would go. Like, I've always been kind of interested in the Northwest, but, like, it just seems, I don't know if I can do that, like, granola-eaten kind of hippie. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think that's my jam, you know? I'm not, like, a big pothead. Like, yeah. I, I just don't think I could do it. I mean, I, I just spent the past week in Nevada with my parents. <laughs> Let me tell whoa, you. Whoa. <laughs> that was interesting. They, like, totally tricked me. They said that we were going to go to Lake Tahoe. Uh-huh. And, and I flew into Reno, the Tahoe-Reno airport. They had rented a double-wide trailer in Carson City, Nevada, right next to the state prison. Okay. Um, I guess probably because it's, like, way less expensive yeah. than renting on the lake, on yeah. Lake Tahoe. And then all of a sudden, all they wanted to do was go to these, like, old-timey prospector museums. I learned so much about, like, ore compression and mining <laughs> for the past three days. I've been to every museum, like, in the Nevada area. I've been For, like, the last three days, all Mariah's been posting on, like, social media <laughs> is pictures of, like, stuffed wolves on rocks <laughs> and, like, these weird – and, like, like, guess what this is and guess where it is. Like, not right. telling anybody where she is. <laughs> like, so I mean, that, makes, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. I mean, it was so crazy. And it and it is like, there's nobody there. Like, okay, in the Lake Tahoe area right now, it's like, it's, it's I mean, the environment is ruined. I'm here to tell you because there's no, there's barely any snow up there. Mm. So the ski season is kind of dead. And then it's too early for the camping season. So there's nobody up there. Like we went up to the Donner State Memorial Park because of course <laughs> I wanted to go see where the Donner Party was because right, right. I'm totally interested in like the dark side of cannibalism and what happens sure, to sure. people when they're like stretched to their limits. So I went to the Donner Museum and walked around and I was just like, this is creepy as fuck, man. Like this is like the middle of nowhere. There's nobody here. Like it's, it was interesting because (laughs) 
I, I was really mad the whole time because the place is named after the Donner Party. And from what I saw, the Donners were the family. They were the family that were leading the other families. And they're the ones who made all the mistakes. They, like, took the wrong shortcut. They started too late. They were unprepared. <laughs> like, when it started snowing, they put up tents while other people built cabins. Mm-hmm. And there's this other family, the Reed family, that survived intact. In fact, the guy, the, the head of the Reed family... He and he stabbed a guy in the chest over like an oxen whipping fight, mm-hmm. got exiled from the group. They were going to hang him. They let him go. He rode out of there, rode ahead of everybody, didn't get caught in the storm, and then came back and rescued them because his family was still there. He got his whole family out alive, alive and unmolested, uneaten. Yeah. And, you know, ended up going on to, like, found San Jose. But that area is named <laughs> after the Donners, who had, like, a terrible time out there, you right, know. like. Right. The, but, you know, when I was thinking about it, I was like, I'm sure there's lots of Reed Memorial Parks or whatever around San Jose. Well, if they, like, founded San Jose, you know, that's a pretty, yeah, pretty nice I mean, legacy. They probably got their legacy. They probably don't even want to be associated with, like, Donner Pass, you yeah. know. But it's so funny that the whole area is like, <laughs> Donner Pass, Donner Lake. Donner State Memorial Park. And it's like, they're the ones who like messed everything up for everybody else. That's, man, it's so fascinating how like an event can branch off into these two different things where, you know, like one thing is founding San Jose. Right. You know, just keeping your mouth shut, get out of there. You know? (laughs) (laughs) And the other thing is just like dying in dying in the woods. Obscurity, like (laughs) eating people. Yeah. It's this great ski resort though. Yeah. (laughs) Man, that's great. I've never been out there. I've never been out there. Yeah, I mean I have to say it was like I was a petulant brat the entire time because Mm -hmm. I was on vacation with my parents and even in your thirties, if you're on vacation with your parents, all of a sudden you're fifteen again. Yeah. But like I learned so much, you know, and it's, I mean, history both fascinates me and completely depresses me because it's, it's just horrendous. It's just one people killing off another people and exploiting the land and ruining the environment and gold rush and mineral rushes and, and then like moving on. And then it's like, oh, let's just put up a ski resort and spend, you know, a hundred dollars for a chairlift and drive around on the highways. And I, I, like history just, it's kind of awful. <laughs> I just watched this thing. I just watched this thing where there are these guys that do these cartoons where they explain historical events online. Uh, and I just watched this series of videos about like World War One. And I mm. like have a history degree because I'm super fascinated by his- history, too. And um, so I know some of these stories, but like I everybody's just getting into such detail now. And you kind of we're in this like mode of civilization where you run out of information and you just want more information. Yeah. You know? So you just like feed on the information. Human nature is so strange. Like that's why like people like um, Martin Luther King and, and Jesus and um, you know, like all, uh, Gandhi are so special people because they seem to really be going against the grain of like what is inside of us. Like what we do, like mm-hmm. we are like, you know, we're, we're, part of the animal kingdom and we're you know motivated by sex and aggression <laughs> it just yeah. seems like there's you know there's oh there's trade and there's you know some like religious morals and communities but like it just seems like those things are always like kind of ready to show their dark side when we're in a place of fear you know yeah totally yeah totally um, there was uh, a different one. I, w- I won't ramble on about this one, but there was a different one that I watched about Rome and Carthage. And I had never, I'd always mm. heard Carthage, but I didn't know anything about Carthage. And I'm super into Rome. And so I watched this one and it was like Carthage was, um, that's apparently where like Archimedes was. Mm-hmm. So Carthage was like this giant like trade empire yeah. that basically whenever they fought wars, they paid for soldiers and the soldiers mm-hmm. would go out there and fight. Mm-hmm. and they because they just had so much money and they were so wealthy and so smart and so learned that they like had basically had control of like their half of the world you know mm-hmm. and the romans were it basically came down to every time they fought the carthaginians would like totally like own the romans mm-hmm. they would just like outmaneuver them in some intelligent way that's just like guys why are you even trying this you know but the romans were just like bloodthirsty Mm -hmm. they were just like they had like blood vendettas that would go for like generations 
So it would be like, if I don't get you, my grandkid's going to get you. And if my grandkid doesn't get you, his grandkid's going to get you. And it was just wow. like, they didn't stop until like Carthage was gone. Yeah. And so it was like, it was not the smarter, more intelligent, wealthier nation that like won right. like history. Right. You know? Yeah. It was like bloodthirsty. Yeah. That won history. And it's, it's just, I don't know, it's fascinating. Yeah, I heard recently that Carthage got, um, you know, the Carthage, the refugees from Car- Carthage. I don't know if you call them Carth- Carthaginians. 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 Yeah. They got pushed out to the Canary Islands outside uh-huh. of Spain, and there's a theory that some of them actually went because they were seafaring people. Yeah. There's a theory that some of them went across the Atlantic Ocean and landed in Brazil because there's some people up in the mountains of brazil some indians who have very weird genetics they have like red hair and blue eyes so there's a theory that they could be like leftovers from carthage there's some you know weird like native american pieces that look similar to the art of carthage yeah but i mean that kind of stuff is oh that, that like trips me out like the idea that you know we've been mingling with each other for thousands and thousands of years and we might not ever know like like who went where and did what um that's there's actually um i'm going to tell you a lot of museum stuff because <laughs> i've been you, in museums that's great. for so that's many great. um but w- when i was in the nevada state museum they had an exhibit about the washoe people or uh, they're called paiutes um and it's the native american tribe around that area mm-hmm. they have a myth um or uh, oral storytelling um, about a tall race of redheaded giants who were living in the marshes around the, the lake area, and they pushed them out. And, like, who are these people? Tall, redheaded giants, right. you know? But they also have, like, you know, I went, when we went to the um, Lake Pyramid, which is on the Indian Reservation, there was a big statue of Bigfoot there. So, obviously, like, the Indians kind of um, have the big, like, the whole Bigfoot, mythology is out there and you have to wonder who those people were that they pushed out yeah yeah like they call them like boogeymen because like they would teach their children like don't go down by the marshes because the the giants are still there you know what was the uh what's the time period for that oh i mean that would be well i know that they actually found the historical records end in that area at twelve thousand years ago Mm. and there were people there who um did petroglyphs about 7,000 years ago, and they found a 9,000-year-old body there who was wrapped in, uh, who was wearing rabbit skin, Mm -hmm. and they genetically tested him, but the Native Americans were like, he's part of our tribe, and he's on his spiritual journey, so you have to rebury him. They didn't want him to be brought up, so Mm -hmm. they they did a little bit of testing on the 9,000-year-old man, and they found out that he was genetically more Asian than, um, than the Native Americans. So, Whoa. but they had to put them back before they could do any further testing yeah. because they, you know, out of respect to the tribe. So those people were there. I mean, there were, there was a prehistoric group of people there like 12,000, 7,000 years ago, yeah. but then the Washoe people have been, you know, their oral history goes back, you know, a little, I would say like probably 4,000 years. I mm-hmm. think there's definitely like a separation between like, there's a lot of unknowns out right, there. Right, right, right. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of unknowns. Yeah. But um, but yeah, the Paiutes are, um, possibly got rid of Bigfoot <laughs> before we did on cool. television. <laughs> <laughs> I think that stuff. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that we believe that like civilization and like cultures were just isolated before we were aware that we weren't isolated. You know, like in our current books, you know, I think that like you've got you've got these you've got these cultures that are like, say, like take the Egyptians, for example, you've got Egyptian people and Egyptian people are known for like two things. Right. They've got like a river that feeds them more food than they can eat. Mm -hmm. So they're just they're done like granary wise, which is what gives them the time and the ability to like specialize and build giant pyramids and stuff like this. And then they and they're on this river so they worship this river and it's they've got these giant boats you know mm-hmm. so it's like to think that they weren't in contact to think that like pharaohs weren't sending people out as far as they could possibly get right all you know like all around the world is like ridiculous yeah you, know? you think like uh in a in a 200 year span 
we've gone from like no country to like where we are now, you know, mm-hmm. and to think that these people were around for like 4,000 years. And at some point, some like guy didn't, even if it was like a fisherman, didn't get bored and like go look for fish like a little farther out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just ridiculous. Of course they're everywhere. And you've got like, we have like in the West, we have no conception of like Eastern tradition. And you've got like the Chinese dynasties that were sending boats all around the world like way before Columbus they were mapping things and checking things out and like the Vikings were everywhere those were probably yeah. Vikings that were in the marsh oh know? absolutely like, yeah there were I mean there was a time when we didn't even know that the Vikings had gotten to North America before Columbus did you know and yeah. like apparently that settlement was like still up and running in 1500 which means like eight years after Columbus discovered America there were still Vikings living in North America right (laughs) it's crazy yeah which means that like there were settlement there were like British settlements that could have been being attacked by Vikings yeah you know which is like bizarre but I mean one thing's for sure right like we spread out and we are curious and yeah and now we're going to Mars yeah (laughs) in two years there's a two-year delay on that it's like two years from now? I don't know anything well, about this. So I was, I was just, it. yeah, I was just like hearing, oh, there's so many, so many NPR moments over the past week. <laughs> um, <laughs> they were talking to somebody from Mars One who said that they delayed it for another couple of years because they're um, having trouble with funding because Lockheed was supposed to fund them and that hasn't worked out yet. So they're trying to reach out and get more funding. But apparently there's only, you can only start your, advance to mars every two years because of i i guess you have to be close to mars uh-huh. on the like orbit trajectory right, right. or something yeah so they've delayed mars one for another couple of years so we're is probably mars, gonna forget about it for a little while is mars one that thing where they were going to like send the a bunch of people trip. up there and see yep. what would manned happen? mission to mars i hope it happens i mean i feel bad for all those people and it's weird that it's like privately funded yeah. but like i Still, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm all for progress in any way. You know, scientific progress, yeah. I think, is fascinating, yeah. and there are a lot of moral dilemmas involved in it. But what's nothing stopped us before, so why are we holding back now? Do you right. know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Let's do it. Totally. <laughs> I'm, I'm like a hundred percent convinced too that like, uh, that there were definitely people on Mars at one point. You think already? I'm a hundred percent convinced that like a thousand years from now, when we're like digging holes in Mars, you know, You're like or, oh, the Vikings whenever, were already here. Well, yeah, right. God, they're so good. They're Mar- such good. That's why Mars is red. Navy men. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, like I do. I think that they just like that planet just got destroyed. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the deal is, but I'm I'm absolutely convinced that there's, there's definitely was... enough time for civilizations to come and go yeah. between. Here We're talking the about like millions beginning of, of years, the solar right? system. Yeah, the uh, the Wall Street Journal today is talking about uh, dinosaurs having lips. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you know, it's like now I think they're just making stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> they had lips. They yeah. had feathers. Yeah. Oh, geez. It's crazy. I would like. I mean, I would really. What I would really like to see in the next few years, and I know that they're trying to make it happen, but like cloning technology hasn't been that great. As you, you might know, Dolly the sheep only lasted for four years. Like there's a lot really? of, yeah, there's a lot of problems with cloning. But um, I would really like to see them clone a woolly mammoth or a prehistoric animal that's been extinct. Like they do have like the ability, they've got like, they've got a woolly mammoth embryo, they've got like the baby teeth and they've got stem cells. Yeah. Like, th- they've got all sorts of animals that have, you know, disappeared that they can try to bring back. Yeah. So that's what I would like to see happen, because I'm just a big fan of the nature world. And, like, if we can bring them back, why not? Yeah. I yeah. mean, they might be zombies, and they'll eat our brains, but... I, th- I think it's going to happen one way or another, don't you? Yeah, I, I mean, think so. I'm I mean, like... who wouldn't want to see a woolly mammoth? Right, right. I mean, I'd pay to see... I'd pay, like, $8 to see a woolly mammoth. Yeah. At least. <laughs> It's true. It's true. I would pay at least eight. I'd probably pay like fifty-two dollars to see <laughs> what cool. Yeah, yeah. But there'd have I mean, to be depends. something else. There'd have to be something else there, you know. Right, right. Like a pre, like a saber-toothed tiger. 
Yeah. Right. Do you nah, think, what do you I, think about it? You think there's like ethical issues to bring him back? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, if you if you believe that everything happens for a reason, then and that there are extinction cycles on our planet, then mm-hmm. like bringing back animals might be um, not good for wherever our planet is going. But it really looks like our planet is going towards cockroaches and pigeons right now. So, yeah. if you can bring back a dodo bird, like you know, I think it would be nice to see them. You know? And who's to say that bringing these things back isn't just part of that's true that's true maybe we're put on earth to destroy it and then bring it back and then bring it back yeah (laughs) i was watching um have you ever seen inside man no morgan spurlock show on cnn oh no i haven't it's on netflix now and it's like so i i watch these things that are kind of like you can passively watch them in the background Mm -hmm. yeah and uh he had this episode on like living forever where he went to he went to go talk to kurtzweil Mm -hmm. you know kurtzweil Mm-hmm. And um, he went to this. There's this. Ki- I say kid because he's a kid. He's probably younger than me. Who has this company? And basically, you can because DNA is just those four different chemicals, those four different amino acids, right? Mm-hmm. So you can 3D print um, the DNA now. Mm-hmm. So he's got this. He's got this setup where his company prints DNA. And what they do is so you'll take your DNA. And it goes through the computer and the computer like sequences your genome and then you find uh, mutations in the DNA. So there are like alleles. So like if you are like 90% prone to Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. it's basically known that that's like a genetic abnormality. That's a mutation of, you know, whatever sequence 134 or whatever it is, you know? Mm-hmm. And, so they ha- when you when you know where those where those genes sit and where the mutations are. so the computer scans through and like they and they do it and the computer scans through and you see all these like letters and it it hangs up on a red letter oh. and he's like that's it that's where your mutation cuz he went and he got like his DNA sequenced and they told him what what was wrong with him basically what was what was wrong in his DNA sequence and then this computer at this kid's place like found it and then they corrected it, and then they printed out the new, the new DNA. And he gave mm-hmm. him this package that's like the sealed package of DNA. And he's like, here's the deal. Like, this package sealed will last, you know, and it's like 50 vials. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this package sealed will last for about 100,000 years. He's like, we don't right now have a delivery system that will, like, take this DNA at like a virus that you mm-hmm. reprogram that sure. will like take this v- DNA and like go into your body and like reprogram and reprogram, all of your, cells. Re- reprogram your body. Uh-huh. Right. But he's like, but you know, like if you want to use this DNA to like inseminate an egg or something like that, like that kid will be born without that like mutation in the DNA. Whoa. And I was like, Whoa, that is, we're there. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Like we're there. Yeah. Wow. I mean, if I can figure out a way to live for another couple hundred years, Mm -hmm. I think that would be great. I'm into it. I say that now as a healthy person, you know, like I still, I want to live forever, but you know, things might change. (laughs) I might not want to be here very much longer. What if you had to like get your blood transfused with like the blood of the innocent? Like what if you had to like harvest a child's like blood? You know... (laughs) I know it's taking me too long to answer that question. I am kind of selfish. Uh, Yeah, well, you know, I mean, fortunately, I believe that there's, you know, there's a way to mix, like, uh, put ethics into science. Yeah. You know, like, and I do think that you have to really look at every circumstance and be like, well, what's what's a stem cell? What is an embryo? What is this? What is that? And then say, you know, like, Go, go through it and be like, okay, this is okay. This is okay for me to do, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how to answer that question, except for the fact that I really like vampires, so I guess that says something about me uh-huh. that maybe I would be down for that. <laughs> I, was every, I was having a conversation with, work, with coworkers the other day, like in the break room getting coffee about being a vampire, you know? Uh-huh. And I was like... Um, I was like, you know, I think if I was a vampire, I would probably, there'd be like a year, I would pay somebody that I trusted to bury me alive for like a year. 
mm-hmm. where like I was just trapped <laughs> in a coffin in the dirt for like a year. Uh-huh. You know, where like you experience that panic, you know, uh-huh. and you're just like stuck and then you're like resolved to your fate. And then you're like, is this guy even going to let me out after a year? You know, and you because you're alive forever. Right. Right. So I think that you'd be a more powerful vampire if you got to experience the like buried oh, alive yeah, okay. for a, for a period of time. Right. You're hum you're humbled by our experience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then what would you do? Um I don't know what I would do. That's <laughs> like a fascinating question. Well, I'd like I'd hit investments pretty hard. You know, and, lever- <laughs> and leverage that time, right? Yeah, get some prime real estate. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd probably like well, you'd have to like kill people and drink their blood. Yes. Um, that's a pretty large component. Yeah. I don't buy that whole like. There's you, a lot of people on this planet. You can capture rats and like drink some blood of rats mm. and like the vegetarian vampire thing. I'm just, I'm not. Right, right. Nah. I mean, the great irony is that I am, I am a vegetarian and I've been a vegetarian since I was 10 years old. Mm. But like, I have like fantasies of being way more powerful and being like a killer and you know, like, it's just, like, something that I've never been able to do in life. I'm not, not like, an aggressive person. I'm yeah. not, like, um, I don't want to kill anything or hunt anything. And, like, so to have this, like, fantasy of, like, I'm super powerful and I can, like, smite everyone and, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> this idea of being, like, a powerful vampire who, like, swoops in and kills people is, you know. It's just a fantasy. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think I really think that once you actually start indulging in your fantasies of, like, killing or, or um, conquering another creature, like, you just see uh, people just get warped by that. Like, you know, people who are killers, like, they don't recover. You know, even people who killed for military reasons can sometimes be really messed up afterwards, oh, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I think, I think it's best is. to stay yeah. away from that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I can. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can get away without harming too many how, souls. Sometimes on I this think planet. about how luxurious is it that we get that? Like, you know, like oh, there's totally. a possibility that you're going to like die in a bed in a hospital somewhere. And, like and that's every other like creature, TV and every other chill? creature on earth's like life ends when like another creature eats it. Just, murders it <laughs> I, know. Like, I know I know it's pretty amazing and it's amazing to see like I mean when I was like standing at the the site of the Donner encampment mm-hmm. right where these people these people were trying so hard to get to California to farm and they were looking for a better life and they got stuck and they died they some of them persevered some of them died some of them were murdered so you know some of them murdered other people like it was just like the gauntlet of the human experience when people are like put to their test. And by the way, they were all family. Like everybody was in family groups too. There was a lot of fighting before it got down to the cannibalism. Oh yeah, like crazy. I watched a film strip like that was literally from like 1992 when I was at the, <laughs> I was at the museum. Um, and it's funny they bury a lot of the ugly stuff, but. When I was sitting there, and like right next to them is the I-80, some like big, you know, some big highway. There's like a railroad going through. There's a 76 gas station right within sight of the, you know, of the memorial. And you just start realizing, wow, there are a lot of people who died horrible deaths to get us to the place where we are now. Like we are literally riding on the backs of our ancestors, which I guess makes sense why there's so much ancestor worship Mm -hmm. in so many cultures. Like in Bali, um, the, uh, the people there, they worship a Royal family in Bali. It's a Hindu culture and their ancestor worships. So they basically worship the Royal family who were members of the first people who came over there and I asked the guide, he was like, this is where the first man is, his body is, and this is where his walking stick was, and it grew into a tree. Like, these are our gods. Our gods are our ancestors. And I was like, wow, where, and they're like, they came to this island many years ago. And I said, where did they come from? He was like, Java. It's like, <laughs> so your gods came from Java, like the island next door, basically. Yeah. They knew it. Yeah. Like, they know where their gods came from. Yeah. They came from Java. Java, yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. That is cool. Yeah. That's so lost nowadays, too, you know? And that's, uh, I mean, maybe that's where that, like, governor's been taken off. 
of people that's why people are so like aggressive and like society like i think western society especially is so uh like egotistical and stuff you know yeah yeah we were born thinking that we have all these things and we don't realize how many people you know and it's so crazy because history is everywhere here yeah history is everywhere and uh, you know I get it. Like, I don't go to museums unless my parents force me to go to museums. Like, I don't want to <laughs> hang out in museums and learn about stuff. But, like, everywhere you look, there's, like, there there were generations upon generations of people who made life better for us, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. for us to just look at it all and just be like, all right, cool, I'm just going to use this and, you know, use well, up like everything. There's, there's so many people out there that are just, like, like bitching and whining about their situation mm-hmm. and like it's not that they're not it's not that they're not struggling you know they're struggling but you're forgetting that like your parents went through the same struggle their parents went through the same struggle you know and everybody went through these similar struggles so to like be this and en- like entitled whining baby yeah you know w- and to not realize that everybody that's come through the line has existed so that you can exist is like so disrespectful Yeah. to like everyone that's closest to you. You know, you don't even take like other human, like human beings around you into consideration. If you're just thinking about like disrespecting or respecting like your parents or your grandparents, or your great grandparents, like that's as far as you need to get in a step away from yourself to be like, wow, I'm really lucky that like, you know, my great grandparent was like the one out of 50 that survived the boat trip. Yeah. You know, like that's crazy. And then two generations later, uh, when the entire war world went to war, you know, like somehow he got out of that. So I'm still here, you know, but like they're like 50 families that like just ended. Yeah. You know, absolutely in that process and like that happens generationally you know yeah. and then there was like there was no vietnam for my family so i'm here you yeah know? that could have ended in vietnam right. for you know it's just like it's amazing it's amazing yeah i i think that um i think that nowadays like there are just so many people there's twice as many people now as when we were kids so we're in a extremely saturated and overpopulated environment like it's something that I don't think any of our ancestors have had to deal with we're also in virtual reality now like this is the first the generation after us are people who grew up with the internet Mm -hmm. completely Mm -hmm. like I think you and I were at the beginning of the internet Mm -hmm. and then these people came afterwards who are just like completely living within a computerized system Mm -hmm. and there's just I feel like it's kind of it is kind of like the new frontier and it's where uh, we're living in a world that's so human driven, so urban driven. And so um, it's not tangible, you know, like the internet is not tangible. It's mm. all electricity. Yeah. Now, granted the electricity comes from coal that coal miners dug up from, from many generations. Yeah, yeah. And you know, the discovery of, you know, how we put together computers and where the minerals have been mined from the earth. Like it's all, you know, coming from, like the land and like all the people before that. And so it's just like, I don't know, you have to have one foot in the future and one foot in the past because you have to be able to understand the internet and the digital age and the age of overpopulation Mm -hmm. as much as you have to understand the history and how how we got there. Mm Because we're never going back. We're never going to be in a... We're never going back to the Donner Party, but there will be cannibalism in our future. Yeah. You can guarantee that. <laughs> it's coming. You think so? You think so? I think so. I mean, I think that there's a lot of people and there's not a lot of resources and I mean it doesn't I could, look good. We'll see though. I mean every I come from this headspace where like I kind of I have faith in the system and I think that like the pro- every every problem that arises kind of gives rise to the possibility of like multiple solutions Mm -hmm. so I feel like I don't know you're right I mean I get scared by the overpopulation I get scared by the scarcity of resources and then my the other half of my brain is like it's false you know like we are we do adapt we're very better off than we've ever been before and like Uh that's true I got in this argument with somebody the other day where um I feel like uh it's no, it's not a feeling. It's it's an absolute fact that like developed, educated nations, um, 
go into like a stasis, like a, what, a population stasis. So like the mm-hmm. United States right now, like Japanese is like on a, on a, the, the Japanese are on a, a decline, right? Mm-hmm. The Germans are on a decline. And I think that like, I think the population might be self-governing hmm. with development hmm. and education. That's interesting. You know? So I think there are places that are like super overpopulated, but I don't think, I think we're in a level of conscious awareness where like the population rates aren't like they're stabilizing mm-hmm. in a lot, of, in a lot of places, you know, they're still growing in a lot of places, but I think that like that idea is out there. And I think that there's, there's hope you know we don't have to keep yeah getting bigger you know and if we do maybe we'll end up on mars you know and then we can just like double the population there well the native people always thought that like the earth is going to take care of itself Mm -hmm. and they you know they're the theory is that the earth is going to be fine humanity however is maybe done for yeah um but we are part of the earth so you never know we might be able to correct ourselves You know, or we might be able to find ways to stretch our resources or ration our resources or share our resources Mm -hmm. or maybe, you know, figure out why exactly we multiply so much. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, does bacteria know why it multiplies so much? I don't know. (laughs) Maybe we'll never know. (laughs) It's just uh, complexity to the system, you know. But, um, yeah, I agree. And I think we do get better at it. You know, it's... um, my dad works in plastics and he tells me these things that they talk about, you know, with like the chemical industry and stuff like that. And there mm. are these, um, I've had these conversations with him from, you know, I play the devil's advocate with, you know, our resource scarcity and stuff like that. And he says that the, the methods of utilizing the oil are information technologies now. So those are, you know, you think about processing power in a computer multiplying every mm-hmm. 18 months. Well, like our efficiencies of using the oil and the efficiencies of refining the oil and the efficiencies of getting the oil. Like these things are all like on an exponential curve too. Right. So even if the, even if the, even if we stopped finding oil, the way that we utilize the oil is going to increase in efficiency in a way that will maintain like, will maintain prosperity with the oil. Right. But things are happening that are like better than that because we are like, like discovering and digging and like all that technology is increasing too. So, Mm -hmm. um, we're finding like seas of seas of oil and stuff in places that we like never knew they existed before and Mm -hmm. finding new resources and stuff like that. And I think it's just a matter, you know, if we had to turn like dirt into energy, I think we'd find a way to turn dirt into energy, <laughs> you know? I I want to be optimistic. I really do. Mm-hmm. I want to see too many movies. Soylent Green. Yeah, Soylent Green. <laughs> no, um, yeah, it's good to be. I mean, it's I mean, what are you going to do? Are you going to be like, you know, in disaster mode your entire right. life or right. are you going to be positive about the future? Like the only way things can change positively is if people still engage like the moment that you go oh this place is fucked there's too much trash in the ocean that like all the rich people have all the resources like you know there's nothing for me Mm -hmm. uh there's nothing for the future there's nothing for people who work hard like once you get into that mentality like you give up and i think (laughs) like you know you can't give up you have to just keep going whether that's like i mean you said finding new ways to make you know, petroleum products stretch. Yeah. Or you not know, putting them into Twinkies it's that, like, so much. Victim but... mentality. It's <laughs> like, if you don't like the situation, it's uh, man, I just, it's when I see people like post these things on Facebook and stuff mm-hmm. and you're just like, well, you know, you could sit there and you can bitch and whine about like how bad things are for you. Or you could like go out there and change it. Yeah. You know, so you can like preach the doom and gloom and you can like pull like three people around you down to that level or you can be like you know what like yeah there's garbage all over my neighborhood i'm gonna go out there and i'm gonna pick it up yeah you know but you're not you're like on social media talking about how there's like garbage all over your neighborhood right (laughs) it's like just get outside and put it in the garbage bag throw it out you know yeah so i had um when i was a kid i was always trying to provoke my dad and um 
I I wanted him to like uh, just be worried about me probably. So I was like, Mm -hmm. hey, dad, I think I want to join the army. What do you think of that? And he was like, I would like you to join the army because I'd like more people with open minds like you who are, you know, raised well to be defending the country. And like, as soon as he said that, I didn't want to be in the army anymore. I was like, oh, (laughs) shit, that didn't work. That was too much. (laughs) Never mind. How about I become an artist in New York City, Dad? Yeah. With a yeah. boyfriend with a mohawk. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of that? Yeah, he was good at the, uh, what do you call it, the uh, reverse psychology. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or just, or just being like, okay, with whatever his daughter's right. doing. <laughs> totally 100% supportive in the most annoying way possible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why do we do that? Yeah, I used to do that, too. Yeah. I used yeah. to. Oh, man. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, like what I figured out on my trip is that my parents are human beings. Mm -hmm. They're just like me. They Mm -hmm. like have these moments of stress where they regret decisions. Like I found it really hard to like try to pick a restaurant for us to go to because I didn't want to disappoint them with a bad restaurant choice. And they were doing the same thing. Like they're all stressed out if the museum was like hokey and you know, or if it was farther away than they thought like this location or whatever. And, like, I realized, like, wow, I could have really turned this around and been 100% supportive of them and been like, wow, that was fun that that museum was so creepy and stupid. Like, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's $8 to get into a museum. Like, why why did I find it so important to, like, let them know that this wasn't good enough for me or, like, right, this wasn't right. a fun enough experience? Like, it's just so crazy. I mean, and I'm sure a lot of that was in my head rather than actually telling them that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think I'm like verbally abusing my parents, but I definitely got sulky. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh, this is, God, they never know what to, and then I was like, but we're having a fun experience. Like we're driving 80 miles to go to a weird Indian reservation and discovering some wild horses. Like, yeah, that, yeah. you know, like, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's so strange. It's like, I, I really need to learn. Un- I need to learn how to be more positive and like just kind of look at things in a more positive light because it's all at the end of the day, it's all a funny story to tell anyway. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, what's it all worth for anyway? You know? Yeah. That's a great attitude. That's a great attitude to have anyway. I've got, I always tell people I joke, I've got like a three day, like a three day parent. So, yeah. you know, yeah. and, um, like I love my parents. I talk to my parents like every weekend, you know, but, and I love to see them. But there's like that first day when you're catching up and then there's that second day where you're like still catching up, but people are like getting back to reality. And then there's like that third day where like you're just people in a house and then like past that, it's just you. I just for me, I immediately revert back to like being a 15 year old. Yep. You know, and I don't know what it is. I think it's just that those patterns are so ingrained at such like a young. Yeah. Young age that you just revert. Yeah. To yeah. what you know, because it's, I don't, I don't know. I'm not even conscious of doing it. I just like find myself being a dick. Yeah. To my I, parents for no reason. And I'm like, why, what's going on here? I have a friend who is a surfer mm-hmm. and a skateboarder and a tattoo artist. And he has an 11 year old son who is so embarrassed of him. He's like, dad, God, he's so embarrassed. This guy is a surfer, a skateboarder, and a tattoo artist. Like, he's like the coolest person possible. He's the Uh coolest dad you could possibly have. Uh This kid is mortified of him. He just wants to do his karate and soccer, and he's super embarrassed of his dad. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yep. It happens early. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And it happens to everybody. Yeah. Everybody does that. It doesn't matter who you are. It's just... That's so funny. I guess that's part of the diversity, you know? Yeah. That's, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, on some level, we have to, like, we have to be able to leave the nest, right? So this is our nature's way of, like, repelling us out of the nest. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. You guys are embarrassing. I'm out of here. <laughs> so true. Um, so we're, like, we're closing up on the hour. Oh, wow. So I usually, like, and it, that goes fast, right? Yeah, it does. But I did want to, like, talk about your job because I'm, like, yeah. fascinated by it. So <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> so, no, don't be sorry. This is such a great conversation. I'm having a good time. You yeah. having a good time? I'm, totally. Okay. And I'm always happy to come back if you want to get Fantastic. deep into Playboy. Fantastic. <laughs> but, uh, like, so what do you, what what's, like, a photo editing director do? You know, because, like, I think, like, in like in my head you're looking at naked photos of women 
Yeah. Well, sometimes I am. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. My job has changed a lot because the website has gone through a lot of changes. When I first was hired in, the website was owned by a third party, um, another company, and they were kind of doing their thing with it, and it mm. wasn't working out. Um, it was being classified as porn. Um, it was just too sexual for the modern age because mm. right now we live in an age of Apple and Google and mm. Facebook, and they're very conservative. They mm. they don't believe in nipples, under boob, uh, thongs, you know, like they don't want any sexual photography because basically Facebook is a place where, you know, your family members are on it. So right, people right. don't want to share things that are too sexual or whatever. Maybe they do and maybe Apple is just keeping them from doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so basically when I got hired on, we didn't have the website, but we were trying to get it back. We wanted to bring it back into the into Playboy and right create whatever we have right now um we were just working on social media and we were also working uh on an app um since then we did get the website back um so it's uh it's a huge undertaking there's six verticals we're posting you know eight to 12 pieces of content a a day a vertical would be a girl section uh entertainment um uh lifestyle uh, nightlife, food, drink, you know, like just all the different sections that you would have in a reg, you know, in a, a magazine, magazine or a website. Okay. Um, I mainly work on the girls section because it's very visual. It's mm-hmm. all about sexy girls. Uh-huh. Um, so since we got the website back, um, we've been really going through, uh, an experimental phase where we're trying different things, but we're all trying to do it within a safe for work capacity. Mm-hmm. So when I first started working there, I was like, um, getting, uh, editing the centerfold shoots for online content and it was naked and it was like pay a dollar a month to see the na- the extra naked photos. Mm-hmm. Um, now I work mostly safe for work and non nude content. Um, so I bring in a lot of, you know, shoots that are, pu- that, um, have been shot, uh, already. Like we have to bring in a lot of content because mm-hmm. if you're posting eight times a day, you, you can't be, sh- you know, doing eight shoots a day. Mm-hmm. But then I also work on mostly on the original content. So I produce photo shoots and video. And I also am the the photographer on some of the photo shoots and video. So I'm taking a lot of photography. Um, So I'll do a photo shoot of, say, like a sexy photo shoot of a YouTube celebrity. Mm -hmm. And then we'll do a lot of social media around it. We'll have Snapchat and Instagram that day, behind-the-scenes photos. Um, I'll do the shoot, I'll, et- I'll look over it, edit it, uh, send it to retouching um, with directions. Um, we got a retouched gallery out of it. Um, we socially back it again. with our. We have 60, 16 million Facebook followers. Mm-hmm. So we have this huge Facebook following. Um, yeah, I bet. So we have to get really safe content yeah. and put it on Facebook, and then we'll use um, – you know, our Facebook followers to link over to the website. Um, so there's a lot of bounce back and forth between the website, Twitter, Instagram. Like, like, I'll be honest. Like I see. So when I'm going through my Facebook feed, I'll see stuff that you post pop up, you know, Uh and I'll, what gets me, what gets, I'll be honest. What gets me is like, I see that provocative, but safe for work photograph. And Uh I'm like, okay, the feed stops. Right. Uh-huh. And then I read like the caption and it's like an article that's like interesting that I want to read. Right. And then I'm like, okay. And I click on it and then I'm like, oh shit, this is Mariah. Now I'm going to like playboy.com at work. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, close, close, close. I'm going to close it right away. <laughs> like it's going to like delete the hit off of I like the you. server, the work servers. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're right now we're trying to get, um, get good with Google so that we can be in, um, a Google search. We can go to the top of a Google search. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, Google, um, can't classify us as porn so we're in a relationship with google now where we're trying to show them we're being really good little boys and girls and we're trying to show them our content you know if people go to playboy.com they don't have to worry about getting firewalled because it's all safe for work content unfortunately the internet is very a very contrary thing Mm -hmm. and one of the most popular things on the internet is porn stars yeah so you can you can try to have a safe for work site, but everybody's going to 
click on porn stars without makeup. That was one of our most popular articles. Uh-huh. People want to see what porn stars look like before they put their makeup on and after they put their makeup on. I looked at that. On. I looked at that for yeah, sure. Of yeah, of course you did. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's it's a really weird place to navigate because you have to like push the limits of what's sexy and right now what's sexy is like we're in the age of the ass right we're in the kim kardashian age where people love exaggerated asses and like is that is that the deal it's true i've never heard that anywhere it's true for some reason you guys talk about at the office (laughs) yes this is a typical (laughs) office conversation it's fantastic The age of the ass is upon us and people love, and it's not just like people with big asses. It's like shooting somebody from the point of view where their ass looks really big. So you're not like shooting a woman like, you know, so that she looks proportioned. You're Mm. getting down and low and shooting up and you're getting like this beautiful ass shot what's a beautiful ass just like round and big yeah if you want to look on you want to look at a good site look at erica mena okay Okay. erica mena is a little bow wow's fiance her gallery did really well on playboy.com and she's got this you know super video vixen body that's just hourglass shape with a big butt and you know that's like what people are really into right now we are our march issue of playboy is um, actually a plus-size model who did the lingerie issue. So she's very curvy and beautiful. It's kind of like that whole Anna Nicole Smith look, Uh. you know? Um, Although I wouldn't say she... I mean, she doesn't even... To me, she doesn't look plus-size, but that's just... (laughs) Well, that's that's really controversial right now, right? Because there are these, like, people that are being called, like, plus-size models. Right, like Kate Upton. Yeah, like Kate Upton. And it's like, you're not... You're still a very tiny human being. It's really hard for me to be... It's hard for me because I've spent the majority of my career in the fashion photography industry. Mm-hmm. I've been shooting, I've been producing, I've been editing, right? So I'm I'm the one who's choosing the pictures that look the most flattering, mm-hmm. where the girl looks curviest or thinnest or her breasts look perfectly round. or, And then I'm also doing guiding the retouching. So my eye is so like fine-tuned to flaws and removing flaws like through and it's mostly actually through lighting Mm -hmm. through lighting and through body movement and through where you're placing your camera Mm -hmm. you can make somebody look I mean there there there's a uh, video on the internet of a woman just standing there while lights go all the way around her so you see all the different lighting scenarios I mean you can have a square face a double chin a, a beautiful face huge eyes like your your whole facial um your facial structure changes depending on lighting. Yeah. So I'm just like the worst person to ask about whether somebody is a plus size model, whether they're no- a normal woman, because I've just been living in this fantasy world for mm-hmm. so long. And I have to say, it's it's tough. Like I, it's an emotional roller coaster ride being a photographer, a producer, and a creative director on set for a Playboy shoot, so shooting a Playboy mate or a celebrity. I mean, I'm. Like me and I, I tend to hire a lot of female photographers. I like female photographers. I am a female photographer. Mm-hmm. I have a female's point of view, even though I work in a men's magazine world. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's just the point of view I was born with. Um, but it's like a roller coaster ride. We're all there, like taking pictures and looking and being like, oh, I looked at, wait, I look fat. And, the, you know, like we're all so stressed out about yeah. how we look. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, I just work within a visual medium and I have to really do other things like meditation or enrichment in some way or you know I have to step back because in real life I'll walk around and I'll just be taking people apart yeah you know guys and girls I'll look at them and be like oh you've got that little thing and if you didn't have that and it's like whoa that's you know that's just my job bleeding into my psyche you know I feel like I need to like I mean that's why I do sweat lodges and crystals and yeah. go to Indian reservations because I need to like cleanse myself of that yeah you know that kind of hyper fantasy world kind of visual I it's like Michelangelo's golden ratio right, you know right. it's like this perfection like you people aren't perfect and that's great that's one of the things I loved about New York City you get on the subway you'd see 300 pound people four foot tall people like people with the biggest noses you've ever seen in your yeah. life, like all different kinds of ethnic creeds, races, religions, uh, economic situations. And it's like, wow, great. I'm like really happy to be an individual in a world of individuals. Totally. But then and I go to work. We're all in the same space. We're like, all in the subway car and we're all like yeah, going, we're all going somewhere. Doing and, our thing. Yeah. And I feel 
great. I'm like, hey, I'm, you know, a pretty good looking person. Yeah, yeah. But then I go to LA and it's like, I feel like this little, <laughs> like a troll, <laughs> a cave troll. <laughs> It's, it's so bizarre. It's, it's, it's all perspective. It's all it perspective. is. It's yeah. completely 100% perspective. Yeah. I can feel like the most hideous human being like while I'm at work and then I'll come home and like literally throw on like a t-shirt and look in the mirror and be like, oh, I'm cute. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm I have, okay. It's so funny. Like I'll have, I'll have like body issues too. And all, this is so bad. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but like. <laughs> I'll, I, I but whenever I have body issues, I like get on a plane and I go somewhere else. Oh, and as yeah. soon as like you leave LA, you're like, oh no, like I'm yeah, fine. I'm fine. I'm totally fine. It's true. Yeah. It really is true. Yeah. It's like wh- I think that you know, like what you were saying about being a vampire mm-hmm. and being buried in the ground to like teach you how to be an awesome vampire. Mm-hmm. Like I have to have the perspective that living in LA teaches you how to be an awesome human being when it comes to like beauty and age and like all those things it's like being in the trenches how to work out better how to eat better but it's psychological warfare it's like you're battling with your own brain like if i get old and go through middle age in la i'm hoping that i come out stronger and not like a fragile human being like i want to be in the fucking trenches yeah i'm gonna work this shit out before it you know before it destroys me yeah (laughs) <laughs> or I'll start drinking the blood of virgins. Yeah, yeah. That's cool, too. That's cool, too. Well, thanks for sharing all that stuff, and thanks for coming. And like, Thank you, This Pat. was really a lot of fun. Yeah, it was I'd great. I'd love to talk to you again. Absolutely, anytime. This is Podcast Nonsense. I'm your host, Patrick Krebs. Thanks for joining us and making this far. Say hi to us on Twitter or on Facebook or wherever you want to on social media. Oh, can I tell you my Instagram handle? Yes. Didn't. It's Murdaball, M-U-R-D-A-B-A-L-L. So follow Mariah on Instagram. Thank you.